and welcome back to the podcast, What Are You Doing? I'm with my wonderful friend, Maddie Kelly, and we're here to talk about a bit about what Maddie's been up to, some future plans, and yeah, just give a little tidbit of our lives together as well, because <laughs> they're so intertwined. When you said the title, What Are You Doing? I thought you were asking me, I said drinking a latte. <laughs> so Maddie, what are you doing? Um, just chilling and killing in Ottawa. Do you live in Ottawa? No, I wish. I wish I came back to Ottawa. I'm living currently in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and I'm working for Curling Canada, and I am the local marketing and event coordinator for the 2020 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. What does that mean? That means I basically am event coordinator and help organize and the volunteer liaison for the Scotties, which is... What is Scotties? That's a good question, because a lot of people yeah. don't know that is. It is the Women's National Curling Championship. So a team from every province comes, mm-hmm. and they compete, and the winner gets to become Team Canada, and then they get to go compete at Worlds, and then they get to come back the next year and try to defend their title as Team Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So can you speak to how you ended up in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan? Because you are not from there. No. With a lot of luck. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of luck and hard work. (laughs) I'm just trying to fell there. No. So your journey to, you're from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Yes. And you ended up at Acadia University. Yes, lucky me. How did you choose that school first off? First off, I was so against Acadia University. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm never going there. It's in the valley. I'm going to a city. I'm going out of Nova Scotia. See you never, never coming back. And then about, I think it was April, I had a meeting with the coach from Acadia, and he said, we really want you to come. And I was like, sure. (laughs) Ben Myra. I learned very quickly I would not survive outside of the province without my parents, and I wasn't as street smart as I thought, so I was like, maybe I should just stay 45 minutes from home. So then I went to Acadia, and it was the best decision of my life. I met so many people. I met you. Oh, can you... Do you remember the first time we became friends? Was it at Meal Hall? Well, like, I met you at Meal Hall, but I'm talking about the specific moment when we decided we were going to open an Irish pub together. Oh, the Boulderson, which is a big soccer tournament in Nova Scotia. And they need people to work. I think we got, like, a lot of money doing it. Yeah, we both, like, volunteered to do it. We got a lot of money for doing a lot of nothing. And we were just sitting there. Which is my favorite. Um, So, yeah, we were sitting there and just became best friends and decided we were going to open an Irish pub called Kelly O'Haley. And there was going to be many options at this club. I think we were going to have... Wow, it was like a B&B. Sorry, me. <laughs> no, it was an Irish pub. Yeah, Irish pub. But then but, like, people turned and sleep there. Yeah, so we wanted them to get as drunk as possible, but then we would room them. Yeah. But we wanted also a dance floor. We wanted an Irish pub with a mm-hmm. dance floor. Mm-hmm. And then... For all the cues. <laughs> Shout out to Clee. <laughs> Yeah, and then I think we were supposed to be, like, handing out medals or helping with we the medical in... tent, and we... Oh, I thought we were still talking about the pub. No! <laughs> Why would we send out medals? That would be a good idea, though. You've drank the most tonight. Here's a gold medal. <laughs> I would have many of those. <laughs> oh, boy. And the Kelly O'Haley was a play on our last names. Yes. 
It wasn't just two random names we... Yeah, we didn't just Google two Irish-sounding names. Say, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) Yeah, and then that blossomed, and then we had soccer lab together. That was a big, that was a defining moment in our friendship. Probably the hardest class we took at Acadia. But the most worthwhile. We really dug in deep and tested our skills and tested our friendship and... became best friends yeah so after Acadia what did you end up doing I uh, at first I was just going to take a year off and then a girl on my team told me about a program in Ottawa um, at Algonquin College called sport business management and I was like maybe I'll go that sounds pretty interesting so I checked it out and I was like you know what screw it it's only a year if I hate it I can come back so I did it And then I ended up playing soccer there too, which was great because it kind of introduced me to people. Um, And then throughout the course, you have to do internships. And one of my internships was with Curling Canada for the Roar of the Rings in Ottawa. And it was awesome. I had so much fun. And it was during the strike too, so I ended up having to work way more than I originally was supposed to. And I think they liked that because I had the option not to go in, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to look good. Yeah. I'm going to go in every day. And then I left that, and then I went to the Legion and interned for their track and field. And then uh, the Scotties was in Sydney, Cape Breton, and I thought, oh, they'll apply. Maybe they'll hire me. And didn't think it would happen, and they hired me. So after your year in Ottawa, you ended up working a year in Cape Breton? Yes. And then now you're in a nine-month contract in this job. So basically with my job is wherever the event is, I move to. Mm -hmm. I kind of make a little life there and am on the ground, which is fun. And it's never a long, long period of time. So if I ever hate it, I can just, like, I'm done. (laughs) And you have a particularly interesting connection to curling. One, just a little one, just a little one, but one of the weirdest things I remember was visiting you in Ottawa, and we were about to go out one night, Yeah. and you are just sitting in your bed watching curling, Oh yeah. and I was like, what? Why is what someone doing this? <laughs> but also, your mother is... Yes, she was a decent curler in her time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she's won the Scotties six times. And has won Worlds twice, and has won Senior Worlds once, and then she's I, she's won other stuff, but but she's like a Nova Scotia Hall of Famer, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. So that was very interesting growing up with, which was fun, but also you're like, oh my god, how am I ever gonna top this? <laughs> you go down in the basement, and there's just a world metal and you're like okay cool (laughs) thanks Kim (laughs) that's not intimidating or anything but no she was great and um that definitely helped me get my job because I knew the sport and I actually like watching the sport which a lot of people especially ODs aren't huge yeah no I don't think I've ever sat down and watched a game of curling but it's I think I've made you watch two ends and that was about it yeah a lot of people can hit two ends and they're like no I'm not that's the end but what that's what's nice about moose shot is it's curling crazy out in the prairie actually oh my god like when I worked in Sydney I would say I'm working for the Scotties and a lot of people are like what the hell is that Mm -hmm. and you're like well to me, I'm like, well, it's common knowledge, but then I have to realize, no, not everybody grew up the way I grew up, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, this is this, this is that, and then I went to Saskatchewan, I said, oh, I'm working the Scotties, and they're like, oh my god, I love the Scotties, I can't wait for it, and I was like, thank you, <laughs> someone understands, you made my job so 
so much easier. <laughs> but you would like to move back to Ottawa. Yes, I really like my job. Um, it's the only tough part is every time you kind of start to get comfortable in a place, you kind of have to pick up and leave again. I think after a while, I'm going to not want to do that anymore. And mm -hmm. when I'm ready to stop, I would really love to be able to come back to Ottawa. So if anybody's listening that has a job in Ottawa, <laughs> let me know. Hey, this is how the world works. Networks, connections, all that good stuff. My number is... <laughs> Anyone single? <Yeah. laughs> Any eligible bachelors listing right now? 902. <laughs> Would you ever be open to the idea of going back to education? Or do you think you're done with the school portion of your life? That's a really good question because when I did the Algonquin College class, I remember being like, thank God it's only a year because I do not want to do any more schooling. And then being in the work world, I kind of miss school and mm -hmm. I miss learning. And I've been asked so many times if you could go back and do a different degree, what would you do? And I was like, I would want to do about four different ones. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if it's because I get bored easily, but I'm like, okay, well now I want to do something new or... I want to do something with math, or I want to do something with history, because I'm a bit of a history nerd, but I love it. I was going to say, we never spoke about what you studied, but if you can put two and two together, working in the sports environment and then doing oh, the yes. sport management, we study kinesiology together. I was going to say, I'm an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> chemistry, actually. Chemistry. I thrived in chemistry. <laughs> but you did take a lot of history electives. I did. It's, I don't know why, It. I love history. I've always loved it throughout junior high and high school. I remember I, if there was a history class I could take, I took it. It's just so interesting to me. So probably if I went back, I'd probably go more into history. So Maddie, aside from looking for a potential career in Ottawa. I thought you were going to say mate. <laughs> yeah. But also, you're on the look for love. 902. <laughs> Do you have any other plans for the future? Are you like the kind of... It's kind of go with the flow. Like, look at this trip. That's true. I just kind of showed up and said, all right, let's figure it out. It's my birthday weekend. Yeah, it is my birthday on Monday. Um, my P.O. Box is going to send gifts. Um, I'm a very go-with-the-flow person, so I don't have anything too set in stone. I would love to be settled in one place. Do you have, like, do you have a timeline in mind like do you set goals for yourself like by 30 I want to be like da 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 or um does that not really yeah I'm yeah I'm kind of like the ooh <laughs> 30 ooh <laughs> I have like I hope by like 28 my line of credits paid off I have those kind of things mm -hmm. and I hope I'm in a solid full-time position because right now I'm just contract which works for me right now. Do you get benefits with that or no? No. Oh, that's the... My benefit is enjoying curling. <laughs> <laughs> She's passionate, folks. <laughs> Hurry hard to my phone number, 902. <laughs> How many times can we forget the phone number in one interview? I want to see if I can make a new record. <laughs> I don't think anyone's dropped their line. Perfect. I'm setting it high. <laughs> That's what I like to do. I like to set the bar high, mm -hmm. as everybody knows. Mm -hmm. Now, in all honesty, if I kind of wish I could go back to Acadia yeah. and appreciate what we kind of had there. 
Did you do a lot of volunteer opportunities there? Is that kind of? I did and I didn't. I I volunteered at the nursing home, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I volunteered with my team. That's the thing. I mm -hmm. didn't go venture out on anything. With my team did anything, I would go with them. Um, but yeah, I wish I did more for the community. I wish I appreciated living two minutes away from my best friends. Yeah. Especially the six of us. Shout out to the six. Um, <laughs> I'm doing so many shoutouts. That's okay. It means they'll like the interview. I feel like people are going to be like, you don't actually have friends. <laughs> no, she does. The yeah. six is the crew. I know exactly who she's talking the about. The six here, I'll drop the names because they'll get back. I know. Candace, Emily, Katie, Meg, and Erm the Worm, or Emma. Sorry, Erm. Um, the six of us. They were a rookie, rookie year of soccer together. Yeah, and we just became all best friends. Yeah, instantly. like it's been uncanny. It's I mean, it's different coming from a sport of rugby where like there's 40 girls on the team. Yeah. But like these girls showed up to classes together, would sit together, <laughs> like it was a posse. We were. And I tried to crack the surface. You did at one point. I know. I got like two of them, three of them, three of them to live with me. I, yeah. I infiltrated Maddie's like friendship. I dragged in, and then I said, "Stay." And no, <laughs> Meg, I think was your kind of first. She was, she was, Megan and I were, like, we were each other's first friends at Acadia. Yeah. And it was because our names aligned, and we were studying the same program, uh, and I, like, saw her from a distance, and I was like, she looks cool. And so, like, went up to her, and we were, like, walking, to, like, doing the Acadia tour together. Yeah. I'm like, hi, Megan, I'm Michaela. And then we just, like, became friends. Aw. Yeah. So, well, we went to every class together. That was a coincidence that four out of the six of us took Kim. Acadia was awesome, where it was small enough two people... The profs cared about what you were doing. Oh, yeah. They encouraged you to let them know where you are now. And I've talked to people who've gone to universities not too, too much bigger than Acadia, but they're like, oh, my prof didn't even know who I was. Mm -hmm. Where we had the president saying hi to us. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, oh, it's just university, whatever. I can't wait to get out of here. And then you leave, and you're like, oh, no. I know. Well, I, like, I think I've spoken on it before, but just the like massive difference between Acadia University and University of Ottawa. Yeah. And just like that connectedness with everyone and all the profs and stuff and people knowing you by name or just walking in the hall and saying hi to everyone. Yeah. The athlete population is a little more shrunk. The community smaller at U Ottawa, but it's not to the same degree at Acadia. <laughs> what is one of your favorite memories? From Acadia. From Acadia? Oh. Sport-wise or drinking-wise or... All three. I don't know what, where the third one came from, but all three. Uh, because I was going to say something. Yeah, no. um, I think sport-wise, my favorite memory was Nationals at home, my mm -hmm. fourth year. It started off heartbroken because we lost AUS in a shootout. I remember that. Our fourth year. And that that was my third year out of four years. We've been in a final and we've lost. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> Why? So I remember we a lot of the seniors went into National at Home being like, I don't want to do this. Um, we're not actually supposed to be here. It, it's mm -hmm. just sucked. And it, we were supposed to win. And I think today, we still say we don't talk about that one because that one stung the most. But then... We kind of rallied together and we're like, well, whether we think we should be here or not, we're going to play the best we can. And I was lucky enough to be able to start and just standing out there in the starting lineup and seeing the fireworks go off. I was like, oh my God, this is so... I remember our warm-up, we had to turn it our backs away from the grandstand because we kept getting distracted staring Aww. at it. I, I remember the Nationals so much because I was sitting beside like 
Eric Cedarberg. Yeah. And we were just watching your, one of your games. And I was like, where's the mascot? <laughs> You don't have to pay me. Oh and my so god, I showed that. He, he gave me the key, and I so I ran out wearing yeah. the like Acadia Axeman mascot. Scared the and crap then, <laughs> And then you guys won. Yeah, penalty shots. Yeah, penalty shots, and I ran onto the field. And then there was one point I was dabbing with Emily Nickerson. And yes. there's a photo of us like just dabbing, and I'm in the like. Oh gosh! I remember that because you ran out, didn't know it was no, you. No, I knew it was me. And you picked me up, and I'm petrified of mascots. Like, Who is this? And then um, I hear, I could just hear, it's me, Michaela. And I was like, what? You're not allowed to. Rule number one: being a mascot, you can't talk. Yeah, she broke that instantly. I, did. <laughs> I, I also didn't get paid for that, so. You were the heart of the Nationals. I was, I was a really good mascot. You were a great mascot. Once yeah. I knew you were in there, I was fine, but I was like, this is crazy person. Yeah. yeah, so I think Nationals. That was fun for everyone. I got to score two penalty shots um, in the X game. We finally got to beat X again, and then. A record But I think that was really special, especially because I had a rough third year, and then to be able to kind of bounce back and then finish it strong. Yeah, you had year. a great fourth year. It was my favorite. Anyways, aside from that. <laughs> And your favorite memories at Acadia. Have you ever been given great advice? Or what is a piece of advice that you can share with other people? Yes. I've been given a lot of advice in my time. A lot of it coming from my mom. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was younger, I did not appreciate the advice because yeah. I was like, yeah, you have no idea what you're talking about. Now that I'm older, I listen. Shout out to mom. <laughs> stop. Sorry, I'll stop. Um, so I think this one came from my grandmother too. I think she told my mom and my mom told it. It was feel the fear and do it anyway. So basically, whatever scares you, do it. Yeah. So I think that's one of the big reasons why I came to Ottawa. And whenever I have a, should I move to a moose jaw? Should I move to Sydney? I just think, well, if only, it can only benefit me. So just... Feel the fear and do it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And then my grandma had another one where this one's more just funny. And her favorite saying was, if you're looking for sympathy, it's between shit and syphilis in the dictionary. <laughs> Kayla told me I couldn't swear, so I left that one out. No, you can. I'll just have an explicit note on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> that was my goal. Your first explicit podcast. I just love that one. And it's not even like life advice, it's more of the don't be a martyr, and I'm not going to give you sympathy for nothing, but I just love that one. Yeah. That's like a joke one. Yeah. Whip that out on a first date. <laughs> <laughs> Do I really have to pay? Really? <laughs> If you're looking for something, you picked me up on a podcast. How well do you think I was going to do here? <laughs> Shout out, my Tinder's probably going to be popping. <laughs> God. <laughs> if I find my future husband on here, though, that's funny. I'll see what I can do. I'll pull some strings. Randy, if you're listening. <laughs> if you could, if you had to describe yourself in three words, what would it be? Um, annoying. <laughs> Um, I want to say brave, but is that like a weird flex? No. It's okay. Annoying, brave, but I think fun. You are, yeah. I wouldn't... Annoying is 
selective, I'd say. I'm just certain passionate. People, certain people might find you annoying. Yeah. But then other people would just love you for it. Just the same way, like, I'm annoying to some people. Oh, I'm too annoying. Yeah, but I don't find you annoying. Well, we're probably just very annoying. <laughs> totally annoying. <laughs> people listening right now are like, you both are annoying. <laughs> I wrote a poem the other day. <gasps> what is it? Um, it's about being vulnerable. Yeah. And showing emotion. <gasps> I know, because I cry all the time now, but not really. I don't, because it's how I have fake eyelashes, and I pay so much money to keep them in no word of a lie. If I cry, I feel like that. <laughs> really? I tilt my head up. Girls, if you have fake eyelashes, you know what I'm talking about, because they're a lot of money, and if you cry, they fall out quicker. It's super inspirational. makes yeah. you think and stuff. Oh. And I was thinking about... The fact that I'm way more like emotional nowadays, and I never used to be like I used to be scared of crying and stuff. Yeah, mood. I know. I'll pull it out. Does it start with roses or red? It does not. It's a little bit more. I don't write much poetry. Oh, ready? Yeah. <clears throat> and the title is called Redefining Strength. Oh. I cry because I am vulnerable. I am vulnerable because I am strong. That's a Tumblr quote. I know, it's because, I don't know how we ended up on this, but I was reading a book on leadership, yeah. and like strong leaders are vulnerable, yes. or like it's a new type of leadership where like before you had to be kind of a hard ass and like not like show emotions and yeah, stuff, but like now it's, there's strength in showing vulnerability and it's like a sign of like maturity and growth yeah. and like, I don't know, humanity. Now I kind of have a habit though where you're just like, I can't cry. I know, and I... I look like a wuss if I cry. I know, and I used to be like that. Yeah. For the, Until about, like, a year and a half ago. And I'm like, wow, I'm so strong because I cry. Yeah. Like, I cried after... Especially, I'll, I get really emotional when I feel strong. Like, after, like, a big win with rugby. Or, yeah. like, where I'm really proud of myself or something. Like, I just get overwhelmed with so much, like, adrenaline and energy and excitement and stuff. You can and feel like, a wow. sea song playing in the background. Yeah. No, like, 100... Did I you know, know that the U Ottawa women's rugby team ran out to a CSO? That's <laughs> amazing. I know. Forget Drake. <laughs> Forget Lil Wayne. I don't know why I said Lil Wayne. He's <laughs> not relevant anywhere. Shout out Lil Wayne. <laughs> um, yeah, though. Like, yeah. before games, I would listen to Sia. Yeah. Because you're just like, she's a woman. Yeah, what's your yeah go-to warm-up songs? Um, after I just dissed all the rappers, usually rap. Um, I think when we were at Nationals for Algonquin, um, I listened to Gucci Gang a lot. Okay. <laughs> Not proud of it, but That's it got funny. me fired up. And then there's a song my mom and I listen to all the time called High Hopes. Codaline? No. <laughs> I think that's a really sad thing. Yeah. Um, can I get the disc? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's what they... Because there's a whole story with that. Mm. So, just anyway, the lyrics fit really well with our life. Mm -hmm. And so we think because of that song, she's going to go back to the Scotties. Really? Yeah, so that one. High hopes. So she might be going to Moose Jaw. We have high hopes. <laughs> when do you find out? <clears throat> Play down during until January. Oh, wow. But it'd be cool to work in an event that she curls in because it's kind of full circle. Yeah. yeah. And it's like I grew up watching you play in these and now I'm an adult working these and you're playing in them. Yeah. Who has been the most influential person in your life growing up? I would say my parents, my mom and dad. Yeah. Um, because I, my mom gets brought up a lot because of her sports and her success, but my dad 
was a really good hockey player too, and he was awesome at his sport and he worked really hard and he was the captain of his hockey team and everything and we relate really well. I think we have very similar personalities and kind of the same motivation drive so sometimes when my mom was type A, push, push, push my dad was always there as the support yeah. which was nice. So they, like the co-parenting was really good. They yeah. Balanced each other yeah, they balanced each other out and not throwing my mom under the bus. She was never like crazy mom where she yeah. was like you need to do this. I think she was just really passionate about sport and she was a competitive person so then she really wanted me to be a competitive person which I am mm -hmm. um, but I just think my dad and I kind of understand each other a little more so it was great, and then especially in university, they were my biggest fans. Yeah. My mom and dad, and especially when I had a rough... Third year. Third year. <laughs> you burn up. That's okay. Shout out third year. <laughs> Glad that's over. You sucked. Um, they, like, it, it wasn't even the tough love. It was the support that mm -hmm. I needed. And I grew up watching two athletes yeah. be very successful in their sport. So would you say they're your greatest role models in terms of sports? Or do you have uh, someone else you look to kind of draw strength from? I would say in sports, them. Um, I always thought for sport, Colleen Jones, my mom's skip. I always appreciated how smart she was with her sport, but also how passionate she was. Mm -hmm. She was just so good at what she did and she's still really good at what she does but just I'm watch I've been watching old videos of them especially being around currently Canada it pops yeah. up here and there and it's amazing what yeah. like she's just so smart and she knew how to compete she knew how to win and whatever it took and it's funny you don't sometimes don't think about the tactical side of curling either like they no. need to like I don't know how much the listeners will know about curling but there is a lot of strategy that can go down yeah. with it it's a it's a mental game. There is some physical, but not as much as like rugby or soccer. Mm -hmm. But mental wise, it's insane. And especially the Scotties, it's a ten day event. Like you're you're curling sometimes two games for ten days. Wow. Like it's a lot of curling. It's a long and the games are long. They're like two hours long. So that's exhausting. It's exactly. So you're getting burnt out quick. And it was basically just survival of the fittest halfway through the week. Mm -hmm. Just being like, who has their mental strength there? And I think they. They had their coach, Ken, who was awesome and taught them mental strength. And I think that's why my mom tried to teach me how to be... The same mental fortitude. Yeah, exactly. And at the time when I was young, she was teaching me at a young age. And I was like, I'm, I don't need to know. I was like, Mom, if I'm the strongest, I'm fine. Like, <laughs> if I can hit someone, we're good. I don't need to be mentally strong. And then it wasn't until I hit university. And I go, so what were you saying about being mentally tough? Because <laughs> I need it now. I'll listen now. But yeah, I definitely didn't appreciate it, and I wish I did. So everyone who has parents who have gone through stuff, listen to them, because they actually know what they're talking about. But it took me a long time to figure that out. <laughs> Preach. What is one of the greatest lessons you've learned since moving out of your parents' house and being on your own? Oh, that's a good one. Do you keep your room clean? No, I am such a messy person. And if my mom listens to this, she's gonna finally be like, thank you for admitting it. Cause I always go, I'm not messy. Um, no, I'm a very messy person. Uh, I've learned if you're living with other people, be respectful. If you're gonna be messy, keep it in your room, not in the common areas. Cause that's just disgusting. I've also learned you can't eat out every night because you get fat and also it's a lot of money. If you move anywhere with Uber, 
be very, very careful because you can rack up your credit card very high. Me. Um, I'm just listing off all these advice. Yeah, no, keep it going. Um, another thing is to FaceTime. If you're living by yourself or if you're living somewhere where you have no friends, basically, Mistra. Shout out Mistra. Um, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> Shout out everything. Um, FaceTime your friends, talk to your friends. For some reason, whenever I move somewhere, I like isolate myself and mm-hmm. don't talk to anybody because I think I'm just... I want to throw myself a little bit of a pity party. Don't do that because then you just get even more sad. Like, talk to your friends. It makes you feel better. And also plan a trip to leave because you have something to look forward to. Basically, keep in contact with your parents, too, because they want to make sure you're alive. Yeah. I know. I at least send, like, a, hey, I'm, I'm doing good once a week to my parents. But, yeah, I like living on my own. You learn a lot of lessons like that. Um, always pay rent on time. <laughs> what happened there? Um, I got threatened to get kicked out of my apartment if I didn't pay. In Moostra? No, in Ottawa when I first moved here because my banking didn't get set up right. So I thought I deposited and I didn't for the first two months rent. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't pay the first two months rent when I thought I did. And they were like trying to say I was scamming them and stuff. Oh my god. I was like, no, I knew. I was literally new to the city. I have no idea what I'm doing. That's so sad. I like walk to the office. I go, here's the money. I'm sorry. Are they nice? They once they realized that I wasn't scamming them, and I just had no sweet clue what I was doing. They were nice, but I think at first they were like, all right, you piece of crap. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, ba- you need to learn how to balance your life on your own. I was. I wasn't sheltered, but my parents definitely helped me out with scheduling and everything, Mm -hmm. making appointments on your own, being organized on your own. You learn very quick you need to do that, especially if you're playing sports in university. I remember I used to cry every week and call my mom and be like, I can't do it, it's too hard. But then you figure it out and you're fine. Um, For the third year question, you learn quick that life sucks sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Life is hard. And you think that you're prepared for everything. And sometimes you just need to take, what is the saying? Swallow the pill? Like a hard pill to swallow? Life can be a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, or something like that. You kind of need to just have a reality check to yourself and sometimes realize things aren't going your way because of what you're doing. You can't blame it on other people. I learned that. At first, I didn't learn it. I blamed it on everybody else. I wasn't playing. I And then when you start to not play, it consumes your life. Because mm-hmm. in university, when you're playing sports, whether you want it to or not, it becomes your life. Yeah. Or at least for me, it did. And then when it's not going right, it everywhere you go, I remember I'd go to class, and I'd be like, oh, what am I going to do in practice today to show that I can play? And mm-hmm. It wasn't until the end of season that I kind of sat myself down and realized I didn't play because of what I did. I wasn't fit and I didn't train enough and I was not mentally strong enough. And that was all on me. It was nothing that the coach did, nothing the players did. I can't blame it on my teammates. I can't blame it on my coach. And that's hard to do to kind of realize. That's huge. Make yourself realize like you're the problem. You don't blame it. And the thing is, is once you realize you're the problem, it solves a lot of things. Yeah. Because you're just like, all right, well, this is what I need to do to fix it. And if you cause the problem, you can fix the problem. So that's what I did. I remember in my end of the year meeting, my coach told me, you're not 
not gonna play next year. He goes, there's a little sliver left in the door for you to still play. And that's all I needed. And I was like, okay, perfect. So you just train your butt off and say, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I tried everything. But that was hard. Third year was tough too, especially living all my best friends, the six. They were all playing except mm-hmm. me. I was the only one. And I was in my third year. Third year is the year you start. You okay. start, you excel. Whereas first, second, I was on and off starting. I was always dressed. And then third year was the first year I didn't even dress. And I was like, oh, God, this is a horrible feeling. And I was mad at everybody. I was blaming on everybody. And then you were like, it's my fault. Look inwards. Yeah. You kind of got to look in the mirror and be like, girl. You did it to yourself. It's hard. It's tough. Hard truth. And that's why I liked fourth year so much in nationals, because then I'm like, okay, I came back. Anybody can come back. I was basically dead. (laughs) But then you can come back from it. But yeah, that was my, that's my big life advice. You need to learn how to check yourself once in a while. Before you wreck yourself. You also, I find at university, I thought I knew everything. And I thought I was, had it all figured out. And then if you check yourself once in a while, you realize you have no sweet clue what you're doing. My university experience was very different. I was, like, just wandering around pretending I had, like... I scheduled so many things. I did so many different community things. Yeah. I just didn't know how to not do things. Yeah. So then I was like, ooh. I'd rather have had that experience, though. Because I was such in the mindset. I'm a soccer player. I'm a kin student. I have my group of friends. And I party when I'm not... No, I just put myself out there. It's like, you're either going to like me or you're not, so. See, I would like to think that I, yeah, I wish I did that. Because I then made myself think, oh, I'm set. Like, I know the route. Um, yeah, mine. I know the route's supposed to take. I don't need to do anything to make it happen. And then it blows up in your face. And that's when you realize, okay, maybe I don't know everything. And maybe I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Especially in fourth year when senior sem, when everybody's applying to OT and PT and med school and ET or whatever the hell people are going to. And I remember sitting there and like, what am I gonna do? Last chance to say anything. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's my life motto now. (laughs) What is this podcast? (laughs) Call her daddy 2.0. Call her mom. (laughs) Call her mommy. want to be called daddy girls. Okay, yeah, sorry. My closing statement is <laughs> check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's not even like a joke. It's legit though. Yeah, You gotta yeah. check yourself once in a while before you kind of... I think this is the longest content I've had in a while and I'm very pumped to go through it all. It's gonna take a lot of editing though to have two episodes, one explicit, one clean. If you're looking for the explicit version of this, email me and I will give it to you. <laughs> Other than that, I guess I'll say my closing statement, which is thank you so much for tuning back in and listening to What Are You Doing? Uh, Again, if you have a fun story you'd like to share or would like to chat with me sometime, I'm always open to new interviewers, interviewees, and... If I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, everyone has a story, so don't be shy. You're interesting. That's such a good point. Yeah. You're interesting, people. Believe in yourselves. Don't make me have to Instagram pull it, because it's going to come out 100%. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and I do hope you listen and continue to do so. Subscribe if you feel necessary. Share it if you enjoyed it. And, yeah, keep me posted on any feedback. All right. Ciao. 902.